This is episode number 154 of the Rising Man podcast with Jungle Man Sam. Your character is not defined by the hand you were dealt, but by the way you play your cards. What's up, Rising Man family? Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. I am your host and creator here, Jetty Azuma. Grateful to have you joining us again today. I've got an awesome guest today, but before we get into the show, I want to make sure I remind you guys to go and check out our latest offering through Rising Man, the Ignite 12-week accelerator course that's going to get your life on track. In my opinion, there's no better way to jump into 21 than with a heavy dose of introspection and action to change your life up. If you want to know more about what Ignite is, go to risingman.org slash Ignite. It's already super affordable and I'm giving everybody a special discount from up until midnight on the 31st. It's Trailblazer 2020. That's the discount code. So take that when you register, punch it in there, get yourself a discount and get yourself enrolled because it's an amazing opportunity. It's the best of the best stuff that I've encountered over my 10 years of doing this work, all mashed up into 12 weeks. So Go to risingman.org slash ignite, punch in that coupon code and get yourself set up today. All right. My guest for today is Jungle Man Sam. Jungle Man Sam is a conscious songwriter, teacher, and creator. His spiritual journey came to life as a world traveler when he discovered his message for the world in writing his songs inspired by the beauty of traveling. Not long after making an important industry connection at Envision Festival in Costa Rica, he found himself sharing the stage internationally with some of the world's biggest reggae and roots artists, such as Medicine for the People, Kali Buds, and Mike Love. His life took a major turn when he found out he was going to become a father at age 25. He moved his family across the country to LA and became jaded by the music industry to the point of nearly renouncing his work altogether. With the support and guidance of two instrumental people in his life, Sam decided to leverage his experiences, creativity, and influence towards guiding others. In this episode, Sam pulls back the mask to reveal the real, raw, unfiltered life of an artist and musician fighting to make it. He shared the story of becoming a young father as his musical career was spiking upward. We both shared about the shame we felt about financial choices we made, the hardship that created for our families, and how we reframed those decisions into something positive and transformational. Sam talked about alchemizing his platform to keep giving back as the live music scene crumbled this year during the global pandemic. And lastly, we both spoke to the power of relatability and asking for help, and the tremendous power we all possess of empathy. This and so much more, without further ado, Jungle Man Sam. Hi fam, I got a treat for you today. I got a brother of mine coming all the way in from up in Vancouver Island, north of the border, Jungle Man Sam. How you doing, bro? What's up, family? It's so good to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you, man. Shout out to my bro, Rowan, who was the first one who put us in touch. And yeah, man, ever since we had that conversation, it's getting to know you as, a, as an artist, as a father, as just a man walking his walk on this planet. It's it's just really good. I'm glad we get to capture that today. Absolutely. Big shout out to Rowan for uh, yeah connecting me with you, Jetty. And, and honestly, bro, it's an honor to be here you know, in this space that you've gathered voices and energies and intentions for such a long time with such amount of dedication, you know, to be to be just one of many in this circle, in this container that you are providing 
our community right now is, is truly an honor for me. Ah, thank you, man. Thank you, man. Well, the feeling's mutual. So let's go ahead and jump in. Let me ask you what I ask everybody on the show to start off with. And for you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Hmm. It's to me, and this has been coming up so, so much being a father, being, you know, the, the owner and the operator of my business being, you know, like a lone warrior out here and not to dis- disconnect myself from the community, but really to, to kind of claim my space. I see it as responsibility and accountability. And where those two words sort of like meet, I'm not exactly sure what that is, but that's that's essentially what it, what it is to me. It's really just taking responsibility. Yeah, I know that's something that I hear a lot of men talk about, and I, I totally resonate with that too. There's this element of responsibility, you know, taking ownership for everything in my life. And, and for some guys, that's a hard thing to grasp. They're like, well, wait a second. Somebody just rear-ended me in traffic. How's that my responsibility? Or the government just took a whole bunch of money from me in taxes. How is that on me? So what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a conversation that actually edges into talking about manifestation and law of attraction, which is something that I've been dealing with and working within those those types of conversations like I've been talking about. And there's no doubt that the biggest thing that you can take responsibility for is your reaction. And that's just plain and simple, right? Like you could either choose to react incredibly emotionally and irrationally, you know what I mean? Based on any of these things in terms of essentially assessing what happened and then what are the next steps that I can take to put myself forward to, you know, make everything better to even out the sort of <laughs> unbalance of, of light and darkness in whatever situation, even if someone just rear ends you or something, right? So that's like, there's nothing woo-woo or like quantum magic about that or something like that, right? But there are, you know, people, and I, I honestly dabble in this kind of like understanding of like, hmm, maybe we really do have so much more control than we really think based on our thoughts, based on the subconscious elements of our, our thoughts, creating the energy that flows through our body that attracts all of everything that happens to us. Maybe that does play a big part in terms of like the, what our soul is calling for basically. And sometimes it's calling for like a wake up, you know what I mean? Like something like an accident to happen that would otherwise seem completely unrelated or synchronistic or something, but that accident leads you into a path that you never would have been sort of startled into yet was so true to your soul's calling. So when something like that has happened and it, so many people have experienced stuff like this, where it's, there's some kind of magic element to it. And it's, it's really beyond sort of like, you know, physical, rational sort of explanation, but that the soul understands that it was meant to happen in that way. Right. And there's, there's like soul understanding, but then there's rational understanding. And I think this is huge for manhood too, is, is, you know, getting beyond just where is this sort of the boys trying to put everything together, I guess, like school's teaching him and he's like, I got to figure this out. Whereas the man like deeply knows something based on his soul because he has the experience to inform him, right? Oh man, I I really like that answer. I want to pick it apart a little bit because first of all, I think you're speaking to something that is really important for men to hear because that masculine part of our mind, the logical part of our brain wants to piece things together and and see justice and strategy and, and the intersecting lines of life. And there's that next level layer dimension of life that you're speaking to here. That part, it's actually in the words. You brought reactivity into the conversation. So I always make a distinction between reacting and responding. And if you actually break down the word responsibility, it's your ability to respond. That's all it is, right? So you get rear-ended in traffic. What is my ability to respond in this moment? Because I can react. I can flip the person off. I can tell them, hey, what the hell are you doing? Or I can choose to respond. I have the ability to respond the way that feels aligned with the man that I say I am in that moment. I think for some reason, there's like a twist on this idea of responsibility. Well, it's like, well, 
I didn't do it, <laughs> right? The, I think that's the boy's interpretation of responsibility, whereas a man is more like exactly what you said. This isn't on me. I didn't do it, so why should I care? And this stuff will come up, like almost no matter how much you think you're into your manhood journey. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not that I'm saying I'm super far, you guys should know or something, but I can imagine that this will consistently come back in terms of where these are and always check yourself when you're essentially just removing yourself, right? It's it, like the boy is quick to be like, you know, oh, I got to run away from like conflict, getting in trouble, whatever that looks like in terms of the subconscious understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, the old guys keep telling me it never stops. Like, welcome to the journey of being a man. <laughs> it's just going to continue. Let's keep riding this wave of responsibility here because, you know, first of all, for those folks who haven't heard of you yet, I mean, they got to go follow you right now on Spotify, man. I mean, your music is amazing. You know, one of the, my first introduction to you was my son falling in love with one of your songs. And there's just so much heart that you put into that. And I know that as an artist in this world, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to take responsibility for your message and your words and also take responsibility for your life and even being able to provide for family. So what has that journey been like trying to navigate that space? Yeah, this is, this is it. This is what it was for me. And, and, and first off, I got to say, thank you so much for, you know, really saying that about my music and, and for that to have been an experience, your experience of my music is through the eyes and the lens of, of your son means so much to me. Honestly, like all of the work that I had done of culminating, like, I mean, truly, you know how it is decades, you know what I mean? Of real work not quite that much, but certainly having like all of the intentions that I put into my life's journey and into music for having that be one of the results shows so much that I have been on the right path this entire time. But if you were to ask me two years ago to this day, I would tell you the kind of the complete opposite, not about you and your son, obviously, but have I been on the right path? Like, absolutely not. This is the bottom of the barrel. I've been like fooling myself. I've been fooled by everybody else all those sort of like negative, I guess, jaded, right? You know what it is? It's like, I I felt heartbroken and I'm not really telling this, I'm doing like a little snapshot of like the worst part of it or something like that. But, But two years ago to this day, I was in LA in an apartment that I couldn't afford because I'd moved there believing in this dream. And I think at this point, luckily my partner and my child had, they were maybe about to fly out or they were just flying out around this time because we couldn't live there anymore. There was just no way that we were able to, to pull in the, the level of like finances to be able to just afford basic living. And that was due to my decisions. And that was due to my path in what I had been doing with music, with my life, with my career, with all of the choices and decisions that I've made kind of culminated into this one area. And because I thought, well, I'm like a good person, right? I should essentially be like protected by the universe you know, from bad situations because I'm a conscious musician, songwriter. I can show up anywhere and like do good work. Like, I'm, I don't care. Like I'll work with my hands, I guess I'll do like, I'll show up to any gig. Like it's all good with me. But yet there was so much that I was blocking myself from in terms of my, my mentality, in terms of my negative habits, in terms of my emotional state. And at this point, two years ago, I would be in what I would call like the deepest state of depression that I have ever felt. Stacked on top of being a very young father, right? Learning at the age of 25 that I was going to be a father and having Eva born that year. And, and this is, this all would have been within six months of Eva being entering into this world, into this state. I'm not saying that like, I should have been okay. You know, I'm just saying that this is the culmination of like so many little decisions. And then one big one 
to just like, no, we got to do this. And you know what that decision was based off of? It was based off of fear because we were living in Colorado before that. And I didn't want to become that dad that missed his train, that I was working with this label and we had a song that felt like this is it. And we had to finish it. And then there was more songs that I had and I was like getting it all together. And I was like, this is going to be it. This has to be the thing that it was like, this has to work or else like, I don't even know. But that was the energy that I was riding on. It was the fear of like not being able to do the big picture stuff because I was tied down in a different location, a beautiful location. Like we, I was really taking everything for granted in terms of what, what we did have, what we had cultivated and sort of threw so much out the window just to go and try to speed up the dream or something like that. Really try to, to take a big step forward altogether. But, you know, intentions aren't really everything, right? Like you can still be absolutely uh, subject to the waves of the universe, especially when you yourself are not completely in control of certain aspects of your minds and your heart and everything that's going on. Oh, yeah. And I think that just reminds me of one of my greatest lessons that I can make decisions that are actually congruent with my soul's path that don't seem to work out. All the time, actually, especially in that period of life where you're figuring out who you are and how you want to navigate the world, how you want to make an impact and raise a family. I respect you a lot because you had a lot of those really challenging moments in a man's life intersecting at the same time. It's like you just loaded everybody up on the wagon and said, let's go. <laughs> and maybe I knew, like maybe my soul knew what was going on. It's like, hey, I just want to kind of get this stuff out of the way because it's going to be happening whether I like it or not. <laughs> totally, man. It actually, it reminds me of being at that stage of the life myself when I was in my mid twenties and I moved out to California because I knew I wanted to be out here. I'd met my, my future wife, you know, we got engaged and because of circumstances, how they unfolded, my wife got laid off from her job. So I said, Hey, don't worry about it. I got us, you know, you focus on building your business on the side and we were getting ready to get married. She got laid off from her job eight months before we got married. And we were planning this huge wedding because in our soul, we said, this is our opportunity to bring our communities and families together and really light a fire, you know, like bring it, bring everyone together. So we planned a huge wedding. We went way over our budget and we just went for it. It felt completely aligned. And going back to something that I heard in your share was I felt guilty because in order to do that, we went into credit card debt. And that was something that followed us for several years after that. So after the wedding and then getting pregnant really soon thereafter and just the way things unfolded, we were carrying this credit card debt for a long time. I remember being at, a, at an event and going through one of these transformational processes and just admitting out loud the guilt that I felt for making that decision for my family to put us into debt and the position that it put us in, the, the challenge and hardship. And I'll never forget one of the facilitators, she looked back at me and she said, what if you turn that around and said, that's the best thing that could have ever happened to you? What if you being in debt is actually something that's really empowering and not just this ball and chain anchor that you have? And I was like, wow, I never looked at it like that. I'd only looked at it as something devastating. So th this is a great opportunity because I believe that there are probably so many brothers out there who are listening to this who are suffering from this exact thing, credit card debt, debt in any kind of form. It could be student. It could be whatever. Right. If I was just, you know, completely listening to this, whatever. And you said, well, just flip it and make it the best thing that ever happened to you. It's like, okay, but, but how? Like, so connect those dots and maybe I can contribute too. Totally. Well, this is great, man. I'm glad you pointed it out because it's like the intellectual flip first. It's the conceptual flip of, this doesn't have to be the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. Where I went next with it was, 
how am I going to make this a success story? How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to be the solution to the problem instead of fuel to the problem? That was really the mindset shift. And then starting to ask for help, starting to reach out to resources, making a bunch of calls. Like, how do I handle this? What do I do? No one ever told me how to get out of credit card debt. So accessing information from people that I didn't have before, humbling myself and saying, hey, I don't know what to do. I've got $50,000 in credit card debt. What do I do? And then being able to receive that help. That was like the biggest actionable shift and transformation I had to experience. That's awesome. I think there's like a soul element to it and there's a mind element to it. And the soul one is like you said, like we talked about at the beginning, is like, you know, your story, like actually using the energy of your story to propel you forward because you are looking at it from a whole perspective, not just like where you're at in your story and everything kind of sucks right now or something, but seeing the greater arc of where you can take this, right? And, and being that comeback story, et cetera, you know what I mean? Even if it's just for yourself, but like, you know, it, being creative in that kind of sense with like, just your life and actually rewriting that story, whether it's in the form of journals sometimes, or whether it's just the way that you're visualizing it. I have vision boards that help me with this. You know what I mean? To really like paint the picture of like sequences of events that can really inspire you on a day-to-day basis. And it's you, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's not someone else. It's like, this is your story. So I think that's the soul kind of element of it. And like you said, then the mind element of it, of how's this good thing? Well, you know, you wouldn't, maybe this would happen to you, but like 20 years later, I'd rather be in credit card debt in my twenties than in my forties. Right. So it's like, you you know, I'm learning these skills. I'm learning these things that I have put myself into the position of needing to learn. But that's an asset because otherwise I wouldn't feel so sort of like motivated to cultivate some of these skill sets and these understandings. And that's more to the mind part of it probably. Uh, I like that, man. I like the way you broke that down. And in addition to it, there was also a decision I had to make that I wasn't going to let this sink me. It's like that do or die moment, really just being able to see that, am I really going to just keep carrying this the way I've been carrying it? Or am I going to do something different? And no one's going to do that for me. I got to figure that out. I got to figure that out. And one of the realest things, you know this, man, you get a superpower. It's hard being a father, but it also gives you leverage over anyone who's not a father because you're like, there's a human being that's depending on me to figure this out right now. I'm not going to let that little dude or little girl down. I'm going to do whatever it takes that a lot of us don't actually get pushed up against the wall like that. I think that's why so many people live a comfortable life is because it's too easy. It's too easy to just survive in this world, you know? And I didn't mention this, but I feel like she is, you know, and and all this happening is the greatest blessing ever because who knows where I would have gone to in terms of going back to my musical path. Like I was probably going down the road of like the ego blowing up and you know what I mean? Like really not great relations with women and everything. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the whole rock star life is, is tough on the ego, right? And not to say like it's a to- you know because sometimes it's like incredible and you're feeling like totally blown up but like that path is not the path to happiness you know and s- destructive things can happen and i don't think that i'm at all infallible to those types of things based on you know what i mean my what i know of myself and my actions and so I hold that gratitude for these negative things as well, because there's always some kind of like positive that you can always, always pull out of the shadow, right? There's always like a kind of perfect balance and you might not be seeing it at this moment, but there's ways to ask questions and just draw, draw all of the awesome stuff out of something that seems so heavy and that you've been carrying and carrying. And then it becomes like, oh, wait a minute, this is light now. This is actually my fuel, my rocket fuel for blasting off. Yeah, which is, I think, where risk comes into the conversation. Because I know, especially myself, I was a very risk-averse child. I I liked the sure thing. I liked certainty around me because it made me feel safe. And I think a lot of people do. Uh, There's some people who are risk-takers and adrenaline junkies, but as far as taking risk in your life and 
putting skin in the game is something that I see a lot of guys aren't doing. And we look for the safe way to create certainty in our lives. And there's almost, it's almost like you have to take the risk. You have to burn some of your boats behind you in order to challenge yourself to become resourceful. It's like if anyone would do incredible things to survive, if you just dropped them off in a forest, even if they had no idea what to do, the instinct to survive and to problem solve, to stay in the game is so strong. And I'm not saying that I think people should be reckless. I'm not saying people should go out and get somebody pregnant or start a family if you're not ready to, but everyone has somewhere they're not yet willing to go that just by taking that step across the line is going to instantly ramp up your performance. I mean, have you felt that too? I mean, dude, this is the work that you do in Vision Quest and in the, you know, this kind of experiences that you lead in the wilderness. Like that is what that container is for, is to face all of those things that, and this is getting into the responsibility of manhood, you know, 150% taking absolute responsibility over your consciousness and your body's survival. Like those two things are terrifying, right? And they both equate to the fear of death. And so you're just facing the fear of death. Like, I mean, I've never gone on, on, and I would love to join you one day because I think you're, you're probably one of the you know top people I would choose to go on one of those types of journeys. But I, I, my idea, having read and you know kind of like listened to a lot of those kind of accounts and experiences, is that is pretty much what it, you're like facing death via your consciousness and your body's you know ability to continue living and just experience itself. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's just overall if we zoom out. That's the definition of growth is just facing off with that sense of death. Even if it's not literal death, sometimes it is and it represents that. But every single day that you face up against something you're afraid of, it's, it automatically traces back to a fear of death or not belonging or being ostracized or kicked out of the tribe, which ultimately equated to death for us. If we didn't have our people, if we didn't belong, if we weren't accepted and loved and valued, we were dead. Where were that lone wolf? So true. And so here's where someone listening can take a moment and ask themselves, like, where am I the most like reactive, the most lack of mindfulness, lack of consciousness? And how is my subconscious relating that to some deep seated fear of death? Because we all act in these ways and we don't really connect the dots, but when we can see it for what it is and it helps us to gain a little bit more control of it as opposed to it leading us and leading our actions. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah, man. I want to take all the momentum we've built up so far and just take a slight pivot because when you and I had this conversation before we, like weeks ago, before we decided to do this, there was a topic we were talking about. We were talking about what ultimately to me sounded like resourcefulness. You know, I know other artists in the community who, I know it's hard for you guys, you know, but a lot of people probably don't realize this, but you guys for all I mean, of this the- year, especially for anyone who's like doing like live music. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, my heart and everything goes out to everybody who is sustained for maybe many years off something that went completely underneath them, like rug pulled out of 150%. So there you go, right? There's one of those curveballs that you can't see coming. And it's not if the curveballs are going to come, it's when they're going to come. So just uh, talking a little bit about the resourcefulness as an artist and the determination, obviously, like we said, you know, you have a family, so you have to figure it out. I know there's people out there who don't have those same dependence or responsibilities. But what I saw in you in our conversation was you decided how you were going to just evolve your message, evolve your medicine since that musical platform, musical opportunity to perform and generate resources that way wasn't there. You started to figure something else out. So I just want to hear you talk a little bit about that because I think people really benefit from hearing it. 
Well, let me be totally transparent. And this came from desperation. <laughs> it wasn't like this like fourth sight of like, oh, I should be really smart about what I'm doing. No, this was like hitting a wall and being like anything but this, you know? So like, listen, if, if you are in that kind of position where you're just like, absolutely, this is ground zero for you. This is a really good thing, right? Because this type of challenge is going to completely like expand all of the things and actually put a lot of pieces of the puzzle together that you might've been missing for many years. And that's what I feel like is happening at this point. After like two years later, my direction has taken me in a lot of different ways to be super brief. Like, you know, I, I figured out, okay, online is clearly where it's at. Like this is where this platform is taking place. Anyone listening to this is getting it from online. Right. And that I was always kind of been like hip to it. I just never figured out where I fit into it. Right. And so I, I can guarantee that everybody who, wants, who truly wants to, you know, create an online business career or, and, or, you know, wants that type of financial freedom or at least financial fluffing, you know, of their life and their accounts and stuff like that. This is possible. Now, is it incredibly easy? It's not, you know, people kind of paint that picture. Oh yeah. Just do this for like 30 days. And like, it's, it's mostly BS. Right. And I, I don't want to sort of like be super judgmental of anything because there's, there's possibilities anywhere. And that's, what's really cool is like understanding, okay, there's possibilities anywhere, but I need to control my mind so that I don't get caught in this kind of direction. Every time there's a shiny object, right? So as a creative shiny object syndrome and perfectionism are the two things that are going to stop your forward momentum when it comes to business, when it comes to finances that I, like I hold that so dearly because that's exactly what I see in myself and in other creatives and sort of spiritual minded people that I work with is that it comes down to per perfectionism is probably the biggest one to be honest. People think that they're not ready yet, that they still have to work on their website or they still have to do this and this in order to come forward and actually speak their truth. It's just based on fear of, of like we're talking about, like being, you know, sort of like not seen as the amazing person that they are, not being fear of not being seen. Yeah, and the, and the fear of failure. I mean, I'm a recovering perfectionist, too. Like ultimately, like that fear that it's not going to work out. And then what? What are people going to think? What is that going to mean about me? So yeah, so on a material level, like where this brought me was first like thinking, okay, well, you know, I've had a pretty strong Instagram presence for like a little while now. And then it was like, but I, I've never been able to monetize. I have no idea how to, you know, actually like create an income off of these thousands of people that have been following me for my music for a while. And so at first it was like, okay, I got to sell them stuff. But like, I, eventually I recognize, like, I don't really like things in the first place. I'm not like a big online shopper for, I mean, I like music gear and I like creative gear, like cameras and stuff. But even as at this point, I wasn't doing any camera stuff. Like I like the tech things, but like the, you know, t like not that to say anything about like things like, I don't know, t-shirts and braces. I, I like selling those. Those are like, my fans really like that, but this is not my life's calling is to sell t-shirts and bracelets. Right. <laughs> It's really not, right? So I figured out along the way the things that were not my life's calling. And each period was about, you know, three months, four months thinking like, this is the thing. This is how other people are making, you know, great cash. And this is how I'll be able to, you know, sort of support myself. But let me get this clear from the beginning. It's always been to come back to music as my full, you know, baby and my full sort of like gift for the planet. But the thing that I pretty quickly recognize is like, it was really hard for me to take care of two babies, Right. I had one that was, you know, physical. I could not deny. And then I had one that I recognized, like, I, this has been my baby for like five years or more or something like that. Right. Like it's just such a long period of my life. And so I had to sort of like take a decision to be like, 
I have to start actually accounting for my time, my energy, and where my income is going in order to truly build an ecosystem within my life, within my business, so that I can fully support my family and fully support my music, right? Because anybody who knows the life of a music career, everything's costing you like studio time, videos, tour expenses, like the stuff that you make at first. It can take a few years for you to build it up and then eventually you have fans, eventually you have lots of like, I guess, extra sources of income and stuff like that. But even the top people, and I'm not going to name any names, sometimes they're financially still really strapped because their expenses are so high and their income is so correlated to live events and things that are pretty volatile. And especially you look at the volatility of what's happened in this past year, it can be really scary. Yeah. And the thing I really recognize most about you and a couple of my other friends who are artists and creators right now is there's a quality in some people that when shit hits the fan or adversity arises that some people just kind of freeze and get stuck. Some people start feeling bad for themselves. And I think that's normal. There's no, there's no judgment on that, but there's few people who actually say, you know what, I'm gonna go figure this out. I'm gonna go take this on. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. You know, me and my guys, we, we say, we call them do whatever it takes men. I'm not going to quit. Right. I'm going to I might fail. I might take my shot and fail. But as long as I don't quit, I'm still in the game. And that's really what I appreciated the most about you and what I see other artists and creatives doing right now is finding another way and not giving up on your core mission and calling to speak to people, to inspire people through music. You're just finding a different a different way to get through. It's like water. Right. If you put a dam up and block water, it finds another route to the ocean, but it always tries to find its way back there. Beautiful analogy, like water, be like water. What did Bruce Lee say? That's you know what, what he said. <laughs> Come on, like this, that's perfect. Anybody who listening to this and might be like thinking, okay, I, I got to find that way. I got to be that find a way man. Is that what you, you turn? Do whatever it, it takes, man. Yeah. Whatever it takes, man. How do I do whatever it takes? You have to completely break down to the absolute essence of who you are and what you've been put on this planet to do, where your voice has been, can shine the most. And you know where it can shine the most and illuminate the most is within your shadow. Where are the areas of your life that you've experienced so much shadow that you can use this time, use this, this energy to, to transform that, to alchemize that into something that is of absolute service. And what that service can look like is totally up in the air. Like that's, that, you figure that part later, but the first thing is actually diving into the soul work. And really seeing who am I at the core of myself? How can I be energetically providing for the planet and just let whatever happens, like release expectations, release like your, you know, the expectations of what's going to come back and just provide, provide for the planet, provide for the family, provide for your, your heart and your soul. And things will definitely start to come into alignment because I think that's the very center of it all. Absolutely, man. And I think it's a true testament to the belief I have that there is no obstacle or adversity that can destroy a dream. The only thing that can actually destroy a dream is us not being willing to overcome our fears, not being willing to face off with our doubts, not being willing to take a step forward and take a risk. And, you know, I think about this. I never imagined when I was in my early 20s that I would be doing what I do right now, standing behind a microphone, talking about what it means to be a man and, and supporting men on their journey to purpose and initiating men in, in the wilderness. None of that stuff. But I just kept following the breadcrumbs. I just kept listening to what my soul was compelling me to do. I made a lot of irrational and illogical decisions in my life 
life that didn't seem like they were going to pan out early on. But because I stayed true to that dream that I had, that vision that was given to me, there, there wasn't anything I could let get in my way. As long as I'm still upright, as long as I'm still in the game, the dream is alive. It's when I decide that I can't do it or this obstacle is too big. I have to retreat and tuck my tail between my legs and go find another way. That's when the dream starts to die. Let's just break it down like this. Like it sounds like you're saying failure is only true failure when it's accepted as. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. That's not accepted. This isn't like failure. This isn't the end. The end is only there when you say it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, until I'm dead and buried, I'm still in the game. Right? It's, it's if I quit. It's if I say, you know what? I've had enough. I can't do it. Fill in the blank. And that's another thing that I remember from our last conversation. I know we were talking a lot about, we were talking about music and, and artists. And then we were talking about folks involved in that whole scene, the, the festival circuits, you know, the folks that come out here every season to, to trim weed and kind of go on this perpetual state of doing some work seasonally and then having an experience. And I, I'm remembering the context of what that was about. Like I'm from Canada, right? And so you know, moving to the States and like seeing this entire ecosystem of like alternative music and stuff like that. Like I'm from, you know, East Coast Canada. I had no exposure to all this world. And then I moved to California and like was like, how do people survive here? Like what goes on? Is I know artists and musicians have been doing this. Like how have they been doing it? And then, oh, slowly I clue in like there's been an entire trim ganja scene that has supported a ton of this live music sort of underground under the wraps and like hopefully i'm not exposing you know what i mean like anything massive here but it's, it's glaringly obvious when you get closer to it and like that has drastically changed now and i think that's what we were talking about is like that type of i guess access to those types of especially now i can imagine that like you know there's so much closing down and traveling and stuff like that that Anybody who that was, who they were thriving off, sort of, you know, living out of your backpack and just sort of going with the flow of, of where, you know, everything was taking you, but being totally inspired and thriving within just like beautiful synchronistic conversations and like really, you know, diving into community and stuff like that. That's a lot different of a, of a landscape now than it was maybe even as little as five years ago, but definitely 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, dude, even like eight months ago, I think a lot of that spell has been <laughs> broken with the state of the world and COVID and all of that stuff right now. As I'm remembering our conversation too, I think we were saying this is actually a really good thing. It's one of those moments where people are like, oh my God, what am I going to do? But sometimes those synchronicities happen that just snap you out of that spell because you know, like I said, no judgment for anybody on their journey, whatever they're doing to make things happen. It's, it's all part of their path. But I know there's a ton of people out there who are just coasting and cruising. Some of my friends that are just coasting and cruising because they haven't been willing to follow that dream. That thing that they really, I, I think there's very few people who want to trim weed for the rest of their life. Like that's their life purpose, you know? So if you're hearing this right now, what is keeping you from believing that you can actually create what you want? What is it that's keeping you from actually taking that leap forward? Just like we said, because you and I were both in that same position. We've both been broke with people who were depending on us and had to figure it out. And, you know, you're a great dude, but neither of us are special. <laughs> you know, if we could do it, anybody else can. I think a huge thing that that isn't exactly the direction that I went, but I think that you would fully back me up on this finding your, your ways in which you can dig into community. Because if you're like a lone wolf in this world, you're going to get burned and it's going to be one way or another. And there's so many people out there who are more than willing. And, you know, maybe they won't pay off your credit card debt. Maybe they won't like, you know, give you the golden ticket to like Willy Wonka's factory or something like that. What they are willing to do is, is sit in circle with you, right? 
And whether that's on Zoom these days or whether that's in person, like that can be worth so, so much because you're a protecting yourself from things that other people have experienced that you could potentially experience if you weren't to hear those sort of stories where they've been. Right. And this is one of those opportunities like we're, we're doing. And then the other thing is to do that work. Like we were talking about like deep work of like, what is really my purpose? What are the ways in which I can embrace manhood right now? And how can that look like in the material kind of manifestation? Yeah. That actually brings up something else for me that I think a lot of people will relate to. I remember at that period of my life, especially before I had really figured out what I needed to do to get my life on track. And I, you know, had all of this debt. There was a part of me that wanted to be saved. That was waiting for somebody to come along and pay off all my credit card debt or waiting for something to happen that was going to clear that problem away for me. And I kept waiting for that and kept being disappointed because uh, that's just not the way it works. Some people hit the lottery. Some people get lucky with stuff like that, but it doesn't actually prepare you for future adversities. It just delays them. And that's what I didn't realize. I didn't realize that fathering and mentoring is not solving your problems for you. It's sitting there with you while you solve your problems. And obviously now that we're fathers, we know that that's what you do with kids, right? You don't, if you do everything for them, then they don't know how to do anything for themselves. And then your workload doubles. (laughs) So there's all those opportunities to, like you said, sit with somebody who will help you figure out your problems, but not solve all your problems for you. That's, we all have to figure out how to do that at some point in our lives. Otherwise you become an adult, quote unquote, who's in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who's still looking for people to do everything for you. So let me take responsibility right here, Jetty. I believe it was you who reached out to me and said, hey man, let's have a conversation. And I cannot respect you enough for that because I don't claim this. I can preach it right here and say like, reach out to your brothers and like, you know, but I don't do this enough. I think all of us could probably be doing this easily five times more than we are. Just having conversations, just saying what's up and just talking shop. Even if you think this person like, you know, is way cooler than you, way older, way more experienced or or like has so much going on. I feel like there's like a very little margin of people who are like, nah, I don't really have time for that. I'll, you know, blow this guy off or something like that. I think the vast, vast majority of our brothers, whether it's in like the Sacred Sons or the Rising Man or like any community, any type of like, whether it's a business thing or whatever, like people are willing to, to sit down and take a call and like go on for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. That could be a life changer. And we're just not taking that opportunity because we don't feel worthy enough. Mm-hmm. Amen, man. I say that to guys all the time. I love when guys reach out to me and say, hey, Jetty, just wanted to introduce myself. And I'm like, and I could tell, you know, I get on a Zoom with them or something. I'm like, are you are you uncomfortable right now? Is there, they're like, I'm talking to Jetty, the rising man. I'm like, well, hold on a second, man. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I'm flattered. And I'm just having a conversation with you, man. Real dudes. And I think we forget that we're all humans and we can all relate to these experiences. None of us are unique. We're just living the same story with different details, different characters. And I love that you said that because that's always what I come back to is if you're suffering, if you're hurting, if you're in deep pain, there is plenty of people out there who have gone through the exact same thing or we'll be able to understand what you're going through. Not to solve it or tell you what to do, but even just to say, hey, I've been there. I've been there before. Me too, bro. Me too. That has been one of the most transformational things in my life is just having guys look at me when I'm in my pain, when I'm a slobbering mess, just like drooling on myself crying. And they look at me and say, hey, I know what you're going through. It's powerful stuff, man. It's powerful and it's simple. And we're all capable of it. doesn't matter if you're Jungle Man Sam or Jetty Azuma or someone out there in the middle of Nowheresville. We're all capable of relating to each other. That that empathy that we have is one of the greatest gifts that we have to give. And we're all capable of breaking through our barriers and crying like little babies. You know what I mean? Totally, man. 
It's just <laughs> love right there. That's just like the f- complete human experience can be sort of like bottled in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, before we start to wrap it up, there's one more thing I really wanted to talk to you about because of all the different entrepreneurial things you've been working with in the past couple of years, one of the things that I loved was you were talking about, I think it's a, a program or a coaching thing you do where you help people write their own song. I just thought that was so, I mean, it's such a beautiful offering. Like I love the metaphor of that, just helping someone find their authentic voice. And so I just wanted to give you a couple of minutes just to talk about that specifically, because I think that's something that a lot of people would benefit from hearing. Yeah, absolutely. Songwriting has been like one of my greatest crafts, you know, to offer my own like little voice and contribution within. And the way in which I've found correlations in songwriting to other aspects of life, other aspects of storytelling, like we talked about at the beginning, like storytelling is so much energy in that, that you can claim for yourself if you choose to take a more creative perspective on it, as opposed to super rational, right? So there's, there's an entire side of our brain that is, we can access through creative elements. And when we're weaving our own stories into it, there's a lot of soul work that just naturally is happening there, right? And so I saw that opportunity, like from my own experiences, from my own journeys into that world, and wanted to create and convert and alchemize that into something that was that was transferable to someone else. You know what I mean? Even if you've had like pretty much little to no experience in music or songwriting whatsoever, it was meant for someone who's truly never written a song before and would like to sort of have someone to guide them through that journey. But what was the intention and what absolutely ended up happening was, was deep soul understandings through that process. Because music is absolutely a reflection of life. And in order to create incredible music, incredible art in any sense, we have to deeply understand, we have to deeply know something within our souls, whether it's, a, it's an emotion, whether it's something, an aspect of our story. But in order to really transmute that into something that like, is complete in whatever sense, whether it's like a single lyric or an entire song, the completion of that sort of speaks to the entirety of it, as opposed to just uh, feeling that one thing and not being able to like, let go of it or something like that. You almost like get to release some of these elements of maybe it's a single story. Maybe it's a greater story of your life or something like that. It can always just be like metaphors and reflections and stuff like that. That's what's kind of fun about it. But yeah, I hope I'm sort of painting it in a way that like grounds it into what this really experience would feel like. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I wonder what you learned about self-expression by watching other people who, who maybe were, like you said, writing a song for the first time. What did you see awaken in people who were doing this with you? I mean, lights in their eyes. I don't know if anybody has written a song, they can relate to this. It's like one of the greatest feelings in the world. It's like having sex or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, like just being like, this is awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is, I did, I did this, you know? Uh, so there's that. That's just like surface level songwriting. If you're writing a you know pop banger or like a even just like a folk song that's like really lyrical or something, you could feel so much power and true like beingness in yourself because you you feel accomplished and having created something. It's like its own little you know baby or manifestation or something. But in in this process specifically, when I've worked with others, I've seen I've seen incredible things like really uh, you know men and women who have have opened up to a total different side of themselves and that their physical like appearance changes over time and that you know the lights in their eyes like they stay consistent you know what i mean and especially when they're singing that song i have videos of of one girl that i worked with and she just like you could feel so much of her soul going into that song and to have had a part in creating that with her you know just just really 
it's such a great feeling. <laughs> you know what I mean? To create something together. Yeah, man. And I know exactly what you're talking about because I have made music before. So that feeling of accomplishment and, and, and also for me, just feeling like I, like when you really nail it, you feel like you really capture that truth that's living inside that I know for me, most of my life has been a, a battle to try and get that to come through. So being able to celebrate, wow, I, I got it. I found it. I accessed it. I released it. And now other people can do with it what they will. I don't even care. I mean, when I created songs, of course, I wanted people to get the message and to enjoy it. But I didn't even care at some point. I was like, I love this song. That's all that really matters to me, <laughs> which was a flip from what I did most of my life. Most of my life, I created things because I wanted to make other people happier like me. And for some reason, music was something different for me in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, there's there's a balance. I love making music with the intention of other people having the experience that I'm I'm trying to create you know my outlook and creativity and stuff like that has has been sort of trying to find this balance of where it serves me the most and it, and it can also serve others the most yeah that's beautiful man well i'm sure we could talk for hours but we got to come to a completion at some point i want to ask you a few rapid fire questions to wrap up here and then you can tell us all about the things that you're up to right now because i know you got some awesome stuff in the pipeline all right so what's one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18 i think it goes back to the failure one the failure is only real if you accept it. Mm, I like that. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Clarity. All right, cool. I'm going to add one more today just for you. If you had one sentence, one statement to declare to every man across the world, what would you have to say right now? The fire is inside you. It always has been. So just allow it to claim its space. Boom. Love it. All right, man. And where do you want people to go? Follow you, listen to your music, check out all the other awesome stuff you're doing. Hit us with the, with the details. Big time. Yeah. Jungle man. Sam is the name. And that's, you know, you could follow me on Instagram. Most definitely. My music is absolutely on Spotify and YouTube. And you can also catch me on, I don't know, Facebook or something like that. If that's something that you use, but certainly Instagram, I am probably the most active in and, and love to kind of like tell everybody what's going on in terms of my my world, my day. I'm here on Vancouver Island. I have some incredible coaching containers that I have been facilitating for some time now. And it's everything is just like flowing, flowing, flowing with abundance. And I'm just so grateful for anybody who has been, you know, listening to this, inspired, activated. And Jetty, I can't thank you enough, man, for bringing me on. Oh, heck yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for bringing your wisdom and your truth and your honesty. I think that's something that for me is really refreshing. The artists that I do know, the ones that I keep close to, me are guys who, you know, you, you are who you say you are and who you, how you express yourself through your music. And so I really appreciate and respect that about you. Yeah. Big love to you, man. Much power and respect. Everybody message this guy because he'll get back to you. Let him know, <laughs> let him know how you think he can help you. And I'm sure he would show up that way because that's how I've experienced you so far, man. So a lot of love and blessings to you and everything you do, bro. All right, y'all. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you go to risingman.org to check out the notes for today's episode and get yourself registered for Ignite. Remember that coupon code trailblazer2020 to get your discount today. It only lasts until midnight on the 31st. So go do it now. Subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to the podcast, especially checking us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Shout out to the power team, Rowan, Sean, Julian, Ryan, Mark, and Kyle. Appreciate you guys and everything that you do. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.